So the last couple of weeks we've been discussing, you know, what is it to be called by Jesus? Um, you know, that's this repeat invitation to re-surrender, to be yoked with him, to abide in him, and to practice the rhythms of grace that Jesus uh, presents. And whether you're calling it discipleship, spiritual formation, or apprenticeship, you know, these are all terms I've been thinking about a lot lately. You know, I want to move towards being more like Christ, but what does that look like? How do I do it? Um, just wrestling with some of that stuff. Um, and to be honest, I think if God had given me, you know, this 12-point list of how to get closer to Him, you know, I'd do it. And I think humans for centuries have been trying to figure it out. Um, you know, if I just do these things, I become more like Christ, but then we end up becoming a bit um, legalistic about it and a bit dogmatic about it. Um, I think God is far less worried about some of that stuff. He is super creative. Um, and, you know, and he relates differently to each of us because he has created us differently. Um, and, you know, we're at different stages in life. We come um, with different life experiences. We are carrying different baggage and idols and, and all of that stuff. So uh, I don't think there's any one size fits all when it comes to practicing uh, the spiritual rhythms of Jesus. Uh, so the first question we need to ask is what is spiritual formation? Uh, and it's put as simply as this. Spiritual formation is a process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. Uh, there's this great quote from Robert Mulholland and he says, the only choice we have is whether that growth moves us towards wholeness in Christ or towards an increasingly dehumanized and destructive mode of being. So, you know, if we are being formed, it is a process of becoming more like Christ. Um, but actually, we can be formed also by the world. Uh, last week, I shared some of Peter, Peter in the Bible, his story of Jesus inviting him into uh, to be yoked with Jesus, to follow Jesus, to be a disciple and apprentice of Jesus. Um, and I've been reading this book, um, recently called A Resilient Life uh, by Gordon MacDonald and I picked it up um, at the Church Working Bee a couple of weeks ago mostly because of her it was written by uh, someone who has incredible wisdom and has advanced on in years but has been running the race really faithfully um, but also I want a resilient life and so the title struck me and I keep coming back to it I read a bit here a bit there uh, and I was looking through it the other night um, and I found this page and it just so bridged that gap um, from, from what we learned last week to this week. Uh, and he's talking about the night when Jesus was arrested. And he says, in contrast to Jesus' remarkable composure on that awful night, Simon Peter lost his. After pledging complete fidelity to Jesus in the upper room, where it was safe, Peter lost his resolve in the servants' quarter of the home of the high priest of Jerusalem. Asked by a young girl if he knew Jesus, his courage failed, and he did the very opposite of his earlier promise. He betrayed the Lord. Jesus, of course, had warned that this would happen. The Saviour knew Peter better than he knew himself. He had reserved Peter's emotional ups and downs. He knew the pressures of the coming night would threaten Peter's emotional stability. The man's finest intentions would capitulate to fear. A Simon Peter whose feelings were disciplined would have taken Jesus' warning seriously. He would have thought through, perhaps discussed with others, 
what the next hours might bring. What could be the correct behaviour under such circumstances? How could the disciples support one another? What truths and convictions would one draw if the pressure got too high? Apparently, Peter learned all of this the hard way. Because sometime later he would stand before a formidable group of authorities and when he told when told he could no longer preach in the streets, he said, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. This is a new man. Um, and I really love that, that uh, in the area of Peter's weakness, God didn't give up on him, but there was new, new um, opportunities uh, and he was transformed uh, to the point where instead of denying Christ, he was out preaching Christ and ending up in prison for it and eventually to death. And in the Bible, we have uh, a couple of letters that Peter wrote to churches uh, at the time. And he wrote this in 2 Peter 1. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. The best invitation we ever received. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Your tickets to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. So don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness and generous love. Each dimension fitting into and developing the others. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our Master Jesus. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you, oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. So friends, confirm God's invitation to you, his choice of you. Don't put it off, do it now. Do this and you'll have life on firm footing the streets paved and the way open to the eternal kingdom of our Master and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So what does it look like to be formed in the image of Christ? You know, we're learning to become emotionally mature, so we're learning to love ourselves. You know, for us to become self-governing means to be self-aware and to take personal responsibility for our thoughts and our actions. We're becoming relationally mature. We're learning to love others. You know, my relationship with Jesus directly would be molding my relationships with others and the fruit of the Spirit would be displayed. And we're becoming spiritually mature. We're learning to love God, knowing whose we are, who we are, um, and what are we here for. And we're believing that we bring heaven into the ordinary spaces of our lives. You know, for whatever reason, so many of us have grown up believing that emotions are weak and that they're to be avoided. Um, you know, we try to compress them into a box, not let them overflow. Um, you know, we end up flatlining emotionally. Uh, we try to numb and distract ourselves away from any emotions that might seem too big. Um, and when others ask us how we're doing, we might say, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, praise Jesus. Uh, or, you know, no worse than anyone else. Um, we don't pause long enough to examine what's really happening in ourselves underneath the surface. Uh, and then in turn, when others bring their emotions to us, maybe they're seeking some comfort or some wisdom, we, we bypass their emotions. 
We tell them that doubt's not from God. We tell them to pray more. Um, we encourage them not to sin in their anger. You know, we don't know what to do sometimes with the big emotions of those around us. You know, emotions aren't weak and they're not unbiblical. They're just like lights on a dashboard. They're just indicating that something under the bonnet is going on. Um, Brene Brown, who's written a lot around vulnerability and emotions, she tells us that we can't just numb the bad because if we do, we're also numbing the good. So often when we're trying to avoid pain, we also unfortunately are avoiding um, creativity and joy and all those wonderful things. You know, there's no good when there's no bad emotions. They just are. They're just indication, indicators on the dashboard. You know, we've got lots of um, examples as well in scripture of lamenting. You know, we can feel before God. He's not intimidated or threatened by our big emotions. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, straight after lockdown, in ended up sick in hospital. Uh, and it was a bit of a scary time for us. There was a big scary diagnosis that was on the table that it could be. Um, and if it was that, it wasn't going to be necessarily a great outcome. Uh, and then there was quite a waiting period for us. And people would ask me during the time, it was sort of lockdown, you know, people would message and they would ask how he was going, but they moved on in the conversation. Um, but I had one friend, a really close, beautiful friend, who uh, she was able to sit with me in my questions, the questions that, you know, I couldn't ask anybody else or the doubts that you're not supposed to say out loud. She'd sit with me with them because she had experienced it within her own family. She was a safe person because she had been through those same questions, that same grief. Um, and thankfully, um, you know, obviously, Anne didn't get that big scary diagnosis. And I was so grateful for that. But in that moment, what I needed was someone who would just sit with me and, and wouldn't tell me just to have faith or uh, God's got it. You know, and for me, grief is not an emotion that I've rumbled with a whole lot in the past. Uh, when I've come up against grief, uh, in my life, usually I just keep running, uh, just keep moving, just keep busy, so I wouldn't have to truly sit and face it. Um, and on Wednesday morning, Benji was looking a bit out of sorts before school. He's a six-year-old. Um, and, you know, I've worked some big days this week, and so we hadn't really reconnected very well. And so, um, you know, I managed to scoop him up into a big hug, and he just melted. Um, and as we were snuggling, um, I asked him how school's going. You know, he's brand new into a fresh year, and and uh, he started to cry and he said it's really hard and that he misses his old teacher. Um, and you know what, for me that moment, more than just being a mum, I felt something deeper. Um, so often I can sit with people and, and sit with them in my head, uh, empathy-wise, but in that moment, oh man, I felt it, buddy. I know what it is to have to say goodbye to someone you see on a daily basis and, um, and change, and I know that that feels really uncomfortable. And, um, I was able to sit with him, not just in a head level, but on a heart level uh, that morning. And I think unless I had gone through that process of allowing God to enlarge my soul through grief and loss, that I wouldn't have been able to sit with him quite the same in that. And I've got a lot to learn from grief and loss in the years to come. But uh, I'm grateful for that little bit that he's grown in me in this last six months. You know, Peter Scazzaro in a recent podcast on grief, he put it this way. We need to pay attention to our emotions. We wait on God and the confusing in between. We let God bring something fresh out of what has died. 
And this is, you know, how we emotionally mature as apprentices. We allow and process our emotions with God. Um, and we see this right through scripture. You read the Psalms with David and he's all right, always processing some, some big, ugly emotions with God and asking God to search his heart. And so as well as being emotionally mature, we want to be becoming relationally mature. You know, loving others where our relationships are showing the fruit of the Spirit. Um, in a book, Keep Your Love On, which a lot of you from Awaken will be familiar with, Danny Silk says, he says, Powerful people do not try to control other people. They know this doesn't work. And that's not their job. Their job is to control themselves. As a result, they're able to live consciously and deliberately create the environment in which they want to live. Powerful people are not infected or affected by their environment. So your powerful people, relationally mature people, will be able to ask and really listen and answer, how do you experience me? If you had to ask this question, it's actually a really vulnerable question to ask of others. Uh, but I know that for me, my lack of knowing how others experience me meant I've hurt people. I've negatively impacted relationships in my life when I've been more focused on task, when um, I've not dropped back the pace to to allow those to keep up with me. Um, you know, where there's situations where I've needed a rescuer and I've ended up fracturing other relationships. You know, for many of us, the need to be right comes before the need for right relationship. Um, you know, we derail our relationships just because we want to have that final word. I mean, we see in Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas, they had a bit of a blue, well, it calls it a sharp agreement in the Bible and they separated ways. What I think is really beautiful about that relationship, although they didn't agree on how mission should be done, they agreed on the importance of the mission, the importance of the gospel. Um, and it's very clear when you read Acts that uh, God was with Paul and God was with Barnabas. Um, and so, you know, let's be... Uh, Although we may not be united sometimes in agreement, uh, let's still be united in what is important in our faith and our friendship in Jesus. And of course, becoming mature means letting God transform us. It means that we're wanting to grow in our relationship between us and God. Knowing whose we are, we are His. Knowing who we are and why we are here. You know, in Romans 2, 4, it says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see this kindness is intended to turn your life from sin? God's kindness leads us to repentance. Repentance is a case of changing direction, unlearning old ways, and relearning a new way. A renewal of our minds is a crucial step in our maturity, more and more moving towards trusting God completely. You know, as we walk with God, we'll be piling up experience after experience where we've heard from him or he's answered a prayer or he's shown up in some way that you may never have expected. In Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it reminds us, and many of you will know this verse, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you the path to take. You know, I think this repentance, this is unlearning, this is setting aside our understanding, our knowledge of how to do things, and instead trusting in God. 
if we want to be inherently supernatural, if we want to do what Jesus did, um, I think we probably need uh, to quit under, uh, relying on our own understanding uh, and start embracing the mystery of God and all he is and how huge he is. You know, can we even separate these three, emotional, relational and spiritual maturity? Um, you know, in that passage we read at the start from Peter, he says, in each dimension fitting into and developing the others. Um, if you've like me, you've probably found the same in your life that, you know, as you're maturing emotionally, that is affecting uh, your relationships with others and it's affecting your relationship with God. You know, as we're becoming more spiritually mature, I want to love people better. I want to be healthy and whole in myself. Um, so, you know, we haven't arrived. Um, you know, we're still being formed day by day. I love listening to those who are later on in life who have still got so much more that they want to learn about God and how much deeper they want to love others. Um, and so, you know, we get to choose who we're being formed by. Are we being formed by God or are we being formed by the world? You know, are we listening to the voices of peace or are we listening to voices of anger? Um, you know, are we experiencing the full range of emotions that God has given us? You know, there's no uh, transformation by accident. If we're using the church and using God to fulfill our therapeutic and consumeristic needs, you know, their need for good feelings, their need for good experiences, we're not going to grow up. You know, we're not pursuing God to win his affection. We've already got it, but we want to know him more. Uh, in Ephesians 4, it gives us this picture of what it would look like individually and corporately to be growing, to becoming more spiritually uh, mature, to be formed by him. It says, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wave of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. And so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I think that's just such a beautiful picture of what we are as the body as we mature, as we become more and more full of love. Um, and so today, I wonder, what is it if you were to choose just one thing, just one thing you could explore with God to grow your relationship with him, to abide with him in a new way? Um, and I don't think it needs to always be particularly spiritual. I think God is, is bigger than that. You know, it could be, though, that you start a daily reading, Bible reading plan, uh, the Uversion app, you can do plans with friends. Um, grab some friends, do a plan and, and discuss what you're reading and what God's revealing to you. Could be fasting a day a week. Uh, it could be committing to uh, an exercise course. It could be enrolling in a budgeting course. Uh, it could be serving families through Tihahi here in the Hutt Valley. Uh, it could be engaging with a counsellor. It could be doing some daily journaling. It could be practicing gratitude. Uh, it could be joining a small group. Maybe you're way overdue calling your mum. Uh, maybe you could have a coffee or a beer with a friend. Or maybe there is a, an old wise guide in your life, a mentor that maybe you could have a phone call with and just glean some wisdom and um, learn from what they've gone through in their lives. And it could be a practice that you found has drawn you closer to Christ in the past, but you have sort of set it aside. And you know, maybe it could be a coming back to doing the things that have refreshed you and refueled you in the past. 
So I just want to encourage you, where is there maybe just one area where you can move the needle and to commit to pursuing it? You know, and who are you going to share this with? How often are you going to do it? Will it be daily, weekly, quarterly? You know, what would it look like if when we were gathered, we were able to share what Christ was transforming in us? Just because we're taking out that bit of time each week to spend with him uh, or to grow in a really meaningful way. You know, we might not have great words or be able to articulate it potentially well, um, but what, how encouraging that would be to one of us as we're sharing testimony of transformation and bearing witness to God's goodness in our lives. Um, so I just want to end with a quote from Robert Mulholland. He says, Our growth towards wholeness in Christ is for the sake of others within the body of Christ, that we may nurture one another into the wholeness of Christ. A growth towards wholeness is also for the sake of others beyond the body. That redeeming, healing, transforming love of God may be made known in a broken and hurting world. So let's just pray. Uh, Father God, I thank you that you are forever pursuing us and that you are inviting us into relationship with you. And Lord, I just pray that for everyone watching today, that this week, that you would just reveal to them some part that you wish to redeem, that you wish to make whole, and you know, that you would invite us into um, potentially a discipline, a practice, a, a rhythm that we may not have done before, or we may have done before and heard your voice, whatever it is that we would be able to engage in that and participate in that. And then out of that, we'd be able to share with uh, our church family, our brothers and sisters, um, what it is that you are transforming within us, um, that we'd be able to be a witness, God, to your incredible, incredible love. Thank you, Father, for all of that. Thank you that we have the privilege to become more like you, Christ, and that it may be for the benefit of the world. Amen.